welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. This is uh, really fun for me. I'm in the same room as Jazz for the first time in, seems like, forever. Woohoo! That's very exciting. Uh, I work with Jazz and I just love working with Jazz. She is one of the most compassionate and wise people that I know. If I'm trying to figure out a complicated pastoral situation, I always phone Jazz. Um, so it is it's just a great, one of the great joys of working at Mayas to be working with her. She is going to be speaking to us this morning, uh, continuing our series on the Psalms. So I'm going to pray for her and then she is going to continue. Great, thank you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Jazz. Thank you for the compassion, the humanity, the love for you and the humour that she brings to all that she does. I want to pray for her now as she speaks to us that you would speak powerfully through her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Bill. I'm just going to grab this. Here we go. So I'm going to start today by reading Psalm 121. So you might want to open your Bibles and read along with me. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And so as you all have gathered by now, we're carrying on our series on the Psalms today, which is beautiful poetry and songs that we find in the Bible that hold and express the richness of human experience in relationship with a God who walks with us through life's ups and downs, the highlands and the lowlands of faith and life. The psalmist doesn't shy away from life in all its fullness. The psalmist being the person that penned the psalms. I don't know about you guys, but um, there's a character called the Psalmede in the five children in it. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. If you're not, you'll be like, what are you talking about? But if you are, you will be very amused that I very frequently used to get the Psalmede and the psalmist muddled up. The Psalmede is a weird, hairy thing that lives in the sand in five children in it, which did not write the psalms. It's the psalmist. But that's an aside. Maybe now you're all Googling the Psalmede. <laughs> Enjoy that. Um, but I don't have to tell you that the Christian life isn't free from pain and uncertainty, because no doubt you are living that right now, I'm sure. The valley and lament and loss and grief is a place I am sure so many of us are familiar with and painfully so. But is the valley of lament where we build our homes? Is it where we will stay forever? No. The Bible and the psalmist and its many other authors acknowledge we will become familiar with the valley. But it also promises that the valley is not our forever home. And whilst we walk through the valley, God promises his faithfulness and help throughout it all. 
If I hear uncertain times or unprecedented events or weird times once more, I'm probably just going to throw myself on the floor. But there's a reason these words are seemingly on our lips all the time right now. It feels like we're having a spiritual awakening in these parts when those of us whose faith was and is in bricks and mortar and jobs and health and comfort are waking up and suddenly realising it was never enough and perhaps won't ever be enough again. They've been exposed to be as fragile as porcelain. We're being weaned off certain, false certainty and rooted and established in something far sturdier the love and faithfulness and mystery of a God who created and loves you. What if we flip the story the world is telling us right now? What if we change the message, no longer fueling the narrative, the times are uncertain, because really, when have they ever been? But this other story, our story, the people of God's story goes from we can't be sure of anything and becomes these are the things of which I am certain. God's faithful hand will not let go of me. Because of this, we can be certain. I'm going to read Psalm 121 again and this time from the message version. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep, not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. The promise of this psalm is not that we will never experience pain, loss, illness, accidents, grief, confusion or distress. But it is that none of this will ever separate us from God's purposes in us and his faithful hand. This psalm promises he will guard you from every evil. Eight times this psalm, God is described as guardian or the one who guards. Nothing that has ever, will ever, can ever happen to you will separate you from the love of God. The big and the small, the everyday irritations and scrabbles to the life-altering crises and our greatest heartaches. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you and him. Our God is the God of the highlands and the lowlands, the mountains and the valleys. Of this we can be certain. Eugene Peterson uses a wonderful metaphor in the book that this series is based on, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which I have famously called A Long Walk in the Wrong Direction in a previous talk, which sums it all up, really, doesn't it? But he says this, All the water in all the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. Imagine that, being on a boat, encountering the wildness and random chaos of the ocean is inevitable, but our sinks, our ships, will not sink. No matter how storm-battered and sun-scorched, 
because God has promised to prevent the water from getting in and sinking us. This is the promise. We might be scrappy and wild haired and a little worse for wear on the outside, but we are wholly in the middle and nothing can change this. This is our story, my story. Our story will not be we lived through unprecedented times, but it will be the story, as Eugene Peterson puts it, of the solid, massive experience of God who keeps all evil from getting inside us, who guards our life, who guards us when we leave and when we return, who guards us now and always. So let's change the story. Let's stop telling the story of fear and what the, who the heck knows what's going on. But let the church speak to the age we are in and tell the story of certainty. The story that was there at the beginning is here now and will be there at the end. The story of Emmanuel, God with us, his faithful hand. The story that reads, Christ the Lord is with you. He will never forsake you. Of this I am certain. So how do we live this life? How do we begin to know and accept the hand of a faithful God in the valley? Well, firstly, we stop looking to the mountains for help and start looking to God. We stop looking to the created and look to the creator. Two and a half thousand years ago in the ancient Near East when this psalm was written, Palestine was rife with pagan worshippers and most of this worship was going on in the hills. Shrines, spells, enchantments of all kind, promising you protection and offering you everything. Prosperity and insurance against any of the perils one might find in the valley or in the journey of life. All of this going down in the mountains. All sorts of offers of instant safety from humans and conmen peddling exactly what you needed. It must have been so attractive to the weary traveller. And there is nothing more certain looking than a mountain, right? They're so big and they're definitely there. You can't argue with a mountain. Surely the natural world can't offer anything more impressive or imposing. But the psalmist cries out at the beginning of the Psalm 121 and says, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. Why settle for safety and certainty in the created and even the creative? The promises of pedal goods from humans or even the most imposing structures the world has to offer when we can rely on the one who made them mountains himself. That lot in the mountains, they promise safety and certainty, but we know that they can't provide it. They were cheats and frauds. But when the weary traveller that sings this psalm cries out for help, they consider what the mountains offer. And although there might be temporary fixes available for them up in the hills, they declare their strength to come from the God who made it all. If we consume what we find in the hills in order to find protection and certainty, we are bound to be let down. What's up in the mountains that you're relying on that keeps letting you down or has let you down recently? All sorts of things are popping into your head probably right now because we're familiar with disappointment at the moment. We're so privileged in this weird part of the world that it's so easy to build our own imposing and outwardly impressive mountains to keep us safe and high out the valley. 
Maybe you've built a mountain out of money or achievement or beauty or significance or intelligence, a perfect family or charm or wit or being in charge or being a somebody. Maybe it's a different kind of wealth. Maybe like me, it's a mountain of books you've built around you. Or maybe it's the stuff living in the mountains that promises you the absence of pain, alcohol, relationship after relationship, drugs, whatever it might be. Perhaps these mountains or what's living in them have let you down recently. And it's so frightening when that happens. Maybe you found your mountain isn't as firm and secure as you thought. Maybe what lives in the mountains isn't working for you anymore. You've realised that the absence of pain doesn't necessarily equal the presence of peace. It's frightening when the ground that we stand on, what we've built our lives on, crumbles underneath our feet or fails to protect us from what we're running from. But heaven creates, it doesn't consume, and so neither must we. We don't need to consume stuff or people, experiences to fill God's purposes in us. He will create everything he needs to when he needs to. We don't need to strive or cling to mountains that are just that, mountains, big old piles of dirt. To create by definition is life-giving and freeing. To consume is to absorb or control, words that are massive red flags in the kingdom of God. And as we move our gaze from the mountains and fix our eyes like flint on Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth and his promise that his presence is with us through it all, the need to build mountains or run for the hills falls away. We don't need to consume people or stuff anymore. Our feet will be firmly grounded, rooted and established in love. We become aware of the creator in us, bringing life and flourishing where we are planted. Why settle for finding certainty in the created when we can rely on the providence and relationship of the one who is the creator of it all? We fix our eyes on him at all costs. Where is Jesus in this situation and what does his word say about it? Secondly, we need to be honest with ourselves and acknowledge the wounds that we've picked up on the journey. Do you trust him? And that's not a telling off, that's an actual tentative question. Because it's okay and important to ask and explore the answer to this, especially if the answer is not really. And if the answer isn't that for most of us, it's probably not fully. And as this psalm demonstrates, the Bible doesn't shy away from the pain we will encounter in this life. It's not bad to ask questions of God and acknowledge and sit in the mystery of it all. But at the same time, his word doesn't apologise for the promise of hope and the presence of God with you through it all. And if that's too big a question, ask yourself this. What don't you trust about God? Being super vulnerable on the internet, which is not usually advised, but here we are, (laughs) going to do it. Ultimately, I trust that he is there. And I suppose I genuinely believe his path is the best one for me. But for me personally, deep down, I don't quite trust that he won't put me through so much pain I won't be able to bear it. That he will take me so far down a road and I won't be able to hack it anymore and I'll snap under the weight of it all. 
and asking myself this question, what I don't trust about him, what's keeping me from walking in certainty with him in the valley, has helped me begin to find the remedy. I found in scripture a promise from his word that speaks over this fear that everything will get too much to me. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul writes, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He will always be there to help you come through it. I hold on to this promise for dear life. God has given me and will give me everything I need to fulfill his purposes in me, his presence. He has given us everything we need to walk the path laid out for us. And as I allow the truth of this scripture to make its way into my heart, I'm beginning to trust him more. And when it's not in my heart, I keep it in my head. This promise is true whether I feel it or not. And eventually I know this will permeate my being, not just my doing. Thirdly, we need courage to embrace his promises. Choosing to put your faith in the providence of God is not for the faint-hearted. But actually, now I'm going to totally contradict myself. Here's where the kingdom of God is utterly brilliant because actually it's entirely for the faint-hearted. To hope in the promises of God is a defiant act of courage. Courage that isn't afraid to submit to him in our weakness. We can collapse wearily into courage, knowing that the victory is ultimately God's, steadily pressing on in his presence. He gives us the gift of courage when we fix our eyes on him. I'm sure you've had moments in your life when it feels easier just to sit down in the mud of the valley or to build our camp in the mountains we talked about earlier. But we are called to walk on in the name and in the way of Jesus. To keep on walking through the valley, to refuse to build our homes there or to ignore the false promises of the mountains, to keep on plodding through the journey is a miracle of perseverance and courage that is made possible by God's promise of presence. To give over to the lies that God has abandoned you that he is more interested in someone else, that he's too busy for you, that he's got cross and he's ignoring you, that you need to strive to be heard by him, or he's just not interested in your comings and goings, or in my case, whining. It's tempting to believe those things. And to be honest, it's really easy to, but it's so dangerous because these things are just not true. And Psalm 121 tells us that he is interested in and is guarding us in all of it. From a slip of the foot to finding yourself at death's door, from the profane to the profound, he is with you in it all. These Psalms where we're told that we are safe and loved are not there to be fluffy and make us feel nice. They aren't sugary quick fixes to get us high quickly. They are to be the iron girders that are the scaffolding of your soul. To choose to trust in certainty of the guardianship and providence of a faithful God in a chaotic world is anything but fluff. It's a war cry. It's an act of overwhelming courage. I am loved. I am created. I am known. 
my God will not forsake me. Believing this of God and the other promises we read in his word are what will transform the community around you. Anyone can sit in a bog. Anyone can acknowledge pain. We are all human and we will all face human challenges, Christian or not. But the mark and the profound joy of the Christian life is the ability to wade through the mud, acknowledging the hazards of the valley, the grime, and still say, I know I am loved and not forsaken. I know God's faithful hand with me. Of that, I am certain. That is to say the promise of God's presence is guardianship from evil. And with that, he guards our very lives. Of this, I am certain. Christ the Lord is with you and he will never forsake you. I mentioned earlier about finding and holding on to the promises of God that speak louder than the noise in our heads. And perhaps uncertainty is making a whole load of noise in your head right now. But I'm going to finish by reading a number of promises God makes about us and to us, all eternalised in the Bible. So right now, get comfortable. You might want to close your eyes. And as I read these promises that are about you, hold on to the one that you need to, to begin to trust the providence and guardianship of God. Because he loves you. He loves you and he is with you. Are you ready? Okay. Of these things, I am certain. You are chosen. You are called of God. You are being changed into his image. You are a new creation. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are forgiven of all your sins. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. You are blessed. You are victorious. You are set free. You are strong in the Lord. You are healed by his wounds. You are free from condemnation. You are reconciled to God. You are joint heirs with Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You are accepted in him. You are complete in him. You are dead to sin. You are alive with Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You can do all things in Christ Jesus. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You always triumph in Christ. You are beloved of God. You are one with Christ and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now and he guards you always. Of these things, we can be certain.